Nadine, that's very unhelpful. I can hear you, but no. <laughs> can you hear me now? 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 It's coming. It's coming. There we go. Okay, I'm going to make you really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. Don't sing, babe. Don't sing. Oh, no, that's no, <laughs> not that level of uncomfortable. <laughs> that's torture. <laughs> we won't do that. So my very good friend Claire sings like an angel, and she has to stand next to me who sings less, less than an angel. Um, if you are sitting on the peripherals, I want, we're moving in. Okay. We're filling the gaps. It's actually a prophetic statement. I know, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable, but we're going to get uncomfortable because that's the season we're in. Come a bit closer. Come a bikinada. The right-hand side are definitely the obedient ones. The left-hand side, we've got a little bit of... Move a little closer. There we go. It's okay to sit next to people without a mask. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. Well done, Bay City Church. Are we not recording? Okay. Okay. It's always a risk. I was a teacher, and if you ask the kids to move, then to try and settle them down afterwards was a bit of a mission. But we can do this. Good morning, Bay City Church. So you're right, I was not meant to be preaching this morning, um, but God got hold of me in the week, and I said to someone, oh, I think I've got a preach brewing, um, which it, that means I'll, I'll preach it in a couple of weeks. Um, and then the Holy Spirit was like, no, it's this Sunday. And that seems to be the season we're in, of he's speaking quickly, we're having to respond quickly, and I'm going to present to you a somewhat unpolished word. So please be gracious. God is not silent, this we know. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke about breakthrough and my grapple with breakthrough, how the uh, victorious theology of the charismatics have us thinking that one day you're in the pit, next day you're in the palace. It happens just like that, like magic. And how when you're in it, it's everything but that. It is tense, there is good, there is hard, all at the same time. Sheldon was having a conversation with Marcy Gordon in the week, and um, my, Marcy Angus, thank you, so sort of Gordon, he's watching. And she said, I struggle with breakthrough. I struggle with that whole concept, because for me, it's more about overcoming. And as he said that, I was like, yes, because if we're overcoming, that means we're co-laboring. Whereas as soon as you say the breakthrough word, it's kind of people go, okay. And you wait for whatever to fall from the sky that doesn't fall from the sky. Okay. So as I was kind of halfway through my prep yesterday, I realized, oh, this is actually continuing from what Tony was speaking about last week. We're back in Genesis. We're back with Jacob. Um, it took me a little while to realize uh, the line that has stuck with me from last week was, you cannot sit and stay when you need to get up and go. So simple. You can't sit and stay if you need to get up and go. You cannot do both simultaneously. Brilliant word, Tony. We're going to go to Genesis 45. Genesis 45 is not 135 verses, so don't worry, but I am going to be reading 
it in its entirety just to set the scene. We are now with Joseph, who was the son of Jacob and Rachel. He was the one who had the Technicolor rainbow jacket, who, rainbow jacket, whatever, um, and he was thrown in the pit by, well, a rainbow is many colors. Same, 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 but different, okay. He was thrown in the pit by his brothers because he could, uh, uh, he told them that they would one day bow to him and they didn't seem to like that so much, so they threw him in the pit. And he landed up in Egypt, he landed up being very favored in Pharaoh's house, and now he has just interpreted Pharaoh's dream about the famine that had come. And we're picking it up in uh, Genesis 45, where Joseph's brothers come before him. Then jo- and I'm reading out of the ESV. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. He cried, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household of Pharaoh heard it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Not a great translation. The Hebrew word is actually nip halu. And nip halu means they were shocked to the point of being unable to speak. So if granny, who has passed away 10 to 15 years ago, walks into your lounge, you will be a bit nip halu. Okay? <laughs> so Joseph said to his brothers, Come near to me, please. And they came near. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and a lord of all his house, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you, your children, and your children's children, and your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. There I will provide for you, for there are yet five years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have do not come to poverty. And now your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You must tell my father of all my honor in Egypt and of all that you have seen. Hurry and bring my father down here. He then fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept upon his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. When the report was heard in Pharaoh's house, Joseph's brothers have come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your beasts and go back to the land of Canaan. And take your father and your household and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you shall eat the fat of the land. And you, Joseph, are commanded to say, Do this, take the wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. 
Have no concern for your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. I just want to pause you, because as I was reading this out loud last night, I suddenly thought about Pharaoh. You know, we know Pharaoh and the plagues. This is the length to which God will go to set his people free, that he had to harden Pharaoh's heart. Pharaoh was actually an incredibly generous king. He, was, he highly favored Joseph. He wanted to give, he, he had a natural ability to be generous. That's why God had to harden his heart in order for the plagues to happen so that the people of Israel would be set free. That's my own little thing. You can take that home for free. The sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh and gave them provisions for the journey. To each and all of them, he gave a change of clothes. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 shekels of silver and five changes of clothes. To his father, he sent as follows, 10 donkeys loaded with good things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, and provisions for his father on the journey. Then he sent out his brothers away, and as they departed, he said to them, do not quarrel along the way. He knew his brothers. So they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. And they told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is the ruler over all the land of Egypt. And his heart became numb, for he did not believe them. But when they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph sent to carry him, the spirit of their father became revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Okay, a lengthy, lengthy passage, but I hope you're getting the picture. In verse 10, interestingly, it says, I will provide for you, for you, for your children, and your children's children. There was provision in the land of Goshen for three generations. And there was five more years of famine to come. In verse 22, interestingly, he gives Benjamin 300 shekels and five changes of clothes, but to his other brothers, they just get a change of clothes. That was because him and um, Benjamin shared the same mother, Rachel, who was highly favored by Jacob. And that was the bloodline. And I felt God say, we as the children of God, because of our bloodline, are given more than enough for the journey. In verse 24, it says, do not quarrel along the way. When you look up the word quarrel, it's not, like, it's not you fighting, physically fighting. It's a, okay, we're in the June holidays. If you have more than one child, they will be at each other. Okay, it is literally like a switch that flicks in my brain as soon as you, no, but I want you just, you can't, okay, he knew. But what happens, it really disturbs the peace when there's quarreling. But there seems to have been an understanding that Joseph had that is when you quarrel, you break unity. And if unity is broken, the blessing cannot flow. So he gave them that instruction. And when your brother has come back from the dead, you must listen. Verse 27 says, The spirit of their father was revived. And I felt God say, I'm wanting to revive my people. Because a revived spirit speaks of hope. A revived spirit speaks of strength to carry on. Now, the land of Goshen, its actual definition and meaning means to draw near. 
And I felt God say, I'm wanting to draw near to my people, and I'm wanting them to draw near to me. I had a little bit of a moan at um, Nathan because I said, you can't have that kind of worship before I preach because I've now got hardly any makeup left on my face and I was an absolute wreck. It was amazing. But in the worship, I saw the Lion of Judah come. And he came walking from this direction. He was massive. And he came up on the stage and he looked across and he just started roaring like that, that roar. But behind him, coming out of this wall, was another face of a lion, and that was the father. And he was just watching as his son, the lion of Judah, roared over his people. The roar has gone out. And when the roar of the lion of Judah goes out, things are broken. Things are stopped in their tracks. It does more in the spirit than you could possibly ever try in your lifetime. It's the roar of the Lion of Judah. He is roaring over us to revive us. You know, we know this by now. We are now living in an historical event. Um, I've looked for the exit. Uh, there is none. Um, <clears throat> apparently, you've just got to keep going, which is a little bit, a little bit tough. I'm not going to lie. However, I did read most of Jacob's story, and like his life was, like Tony put it nicely, but it was Hello, Messi. My word. Baby mama drama was like the least of his problems. It really did get very messy. But yet, the blessing of the Lord still comes through. Still comes through. <laughs> so I'm grateful for my life, that it's not Jacob's, but my life isn't exactly easy. And it's hard to navigate. You know, the last time I spoke about breakthrough, I said, you know, the one day you are so prayed up, you're like, I can take on the gates of Hades myself. Thank you. That's how much I've got. And then the next day, back in the pit, doubting everything you heard quite literally the day before. Okay? That's, that's human. It's okay. Well, that very thing happened to me this Friday. You see, we, Sheldon and I, prophetically, and I'm going to say it, we are in the middle of a breakthrough. And as I say that, I can just hear the enemy screaming, are you? Are you really, though? Because I have nothing to show for it. Nothing. I have nothing to say, guys, guys, look, God's doing it. God's doing it. You know, it's really easy to preach once God's done something. Flippin' easy. Because you can set it up and you make it sound like, woo, that was so hard. But then God. Amazing. I don't got the but then God part. I've kind of just got this, Okay. And that's why I'm saying, God, did you really want me to preach just this today? But that's where we're at. That's where we're at as a people. And it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to not want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. If I hear the word monkeypox, I'm literally going to scream. Take your monkeypox and footsack. I'm not doing that anymore. And talk to me about quarantine for 21 days. Are you nuts? Been there, done that, still, t still have PTSD about that. Anyway. <laughs> but we have to have our spirits revived by the Lord. Because the grating and the layering that is happening is just getting more and more and more. Of course I had hope for 2022. This was the year for you. No. Apparently not. We were coming out of the pandemic. There was light at the end of the tunnel. 
and the economy starts to crash. Fuel's gone up twice now. You've got ministers, Becky Taylor, screaming, shout, shouting at someone to shut up because this man is telling him the statistics from his own department. Yeah. Are you kidding me? It's not normal. It's not normal that I have to pay 18 rand for a stereo stumpy. A stereo stumpy! If you're from overseas, it's basically flavored milk. A stereo stumpy for 18 rand. Are you high? Come on, let's get it together. Okay, but we're feeling it. It's there, it's happening. I refuse to buy that stereo stumpy. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Errol. Bubble gums, that's my favorite. Yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> oh, you've all got a stereo stumpy flavor. Yeah, it's a good old 80s thing. Eh? Oh, you know what? I'm not loving my life at the moment. I'm not, I can't say that I am. I can't say that I'm waking up every morning going, favor of the Lord, too blessed to be stressed. It's going to be great. No, most, actually every morning for the past couple of weeks, I've woken up going, oh, I've woken up. It's another day. There we go. And I get into bed most nights going, sure, survived that one. It's tough out there. It's freaking war. It's real. I, I mean, I went I, the other day. I had to put in petrol and buy gas. I may as well bought purchased an airline ticket to Timbuktu. Like, like, are you kidding me? You feel it. I feel it. You know, I, I don't know if if people have this um, idea that people in ministry float on our own kind of clouds of glory. And, you know, Sheldon and I, we just float. And we, oh, that doesn't touch us. And, oh, that doesn't touch us because we are in ministry. Oh, please. <laughs> we feel it. Our household is not all amazing and we're not all kumbayaing and proclaiming and decreeing and carrying on. We're shouting at each other. It's stressful. Things are happening. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay? So just so you know, we don't float on anything. We float on the same stuff you float off. <laughs> Anxiety and fear. No, I'm kidding. Um, but you know, God is speaking clearly and he's speaking quickly. And you actually, we don't actually have a choice anymore. We've got to get with the program. The very fact that we are living in a place where, where things have now the very basics of what we need as humans to live, those very basics are under threat. The noose, it's a noose, and it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. That is a reality. <clears throat> but this is, this is where it's okay. Because in the last few weeks, I have been on my bedroom floor weeping most days because it's not easy. The suffering you feel, the pain, pain in our own life that, we, that you go with, it's okay. It's okay to let that out. But you know what? My story, our story, what we're living through now, is the next generation survival guide. Because I'm drawing on all those stories I've heard. All the stories where it was this and then God, I'm drawing on that. That's what I'm drawing on. Because if he did it for the past generations, he is going to do it for us. 
but there is a weight of responsibility that sets on us. And, and this, this, the Holy Spirit kind of interjected as I was, this wasn't part of the thing, but he, he wants to speak to parents and guardians. And this is what the Lord wants to say. You have a spiritual responsibility to tell your children this is not normal. This life right now is not of God. But we have a way through. You have a responsibility to keep fear and anxiety from them by talking it out, by talking the promises of God and speaking life over their futures. Lazy parenting will not equip the next generation. You will ill-equip them for what they will face. Now we go back to Goshen. Its actual physical location um, is Lower Egypt. It's not a very big place. It's only about 900 square miles, um, which, let's take, let's stop, pause there. If it's not a very big place, it means it's not a place you inhabit, inhabit for a lifetime. It is a rest stop. It is a reprieve. It is not a forever home. It, it was incredibly fertile. It has an irrigated plain. And it also bordered Canaan, which was the promised land. But it was far enough away from Pharaoh and his household and, and the Egyptians that the Hebrews could live in their own culture and not be affected by Pharaoh's culture. They could live and succeed and multiply, which they did. But this is where it starts to get really interesting because we, we skip along to Exodus. And in Exodus... 8, verse 21 to 22, now we're with the plagues. The plagues have started. They've already had the rivers of blood, and they've already had the frogs. 400 years later. 400 years later. Exodus 8. We will discuss that over lunch. <laughs> Then he'll break out the guitar and sing Kumbaya, and it'll be fun. <laughs> Exodus 8, 21 to 22. Or else, if you will not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies on you and your servants and your people and into your houses. And the houses of the Egyptians shall be filled with swarms of flies, and also the ground on which they stand. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there, that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Okay, that's interesting. No flies. Cool. Um, but they clearly had to deal with the rivers of blood and the frogs. Okay, we've had to deal with COVID. I refuse to deal with monkeypox, but I, I, I'm kind of getting it. Exodus 9, 25 to 26 says, The hail struck down everything that was in the field, in the, all the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And the hail struck down every plant of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the people of Israel were, was there no hail. <laughs> no flies, no hail, okay? Exodus 10, 21 and 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. 
They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Where did they live? The land of Goshen. Exactly. Clearly, if you live in the land of Musenberg and here, you're not getting load shedding. Anyway, uh, that, that, uh, that's for another day. That's a vent for another day. But actually, I believe this is a promise for South Africa and our load shedding. I know we joke about it. Oh, what's it now? Like stage 6,000. Ishkom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love that one on Facebook where it's like, we, uh, ESCOM is aware that your power is on and they're working on it, you know. <laughs> but this is what South Africans do, okay? We, we love to make a joke out of really hectic things. It's the way we survive, okay? So, but actually, it's pretty darn serious. You know, when there's a war, when countries are fighting each other, the first attack, they bomb the power plants. Because if you, can, if you can take out a country's power, you can cripple them, you can disable them, you weaken them. South Africa is under a spiritual attack. And you're like, oh, you're getting so like spiritual. But it is. The world is under attack. But I'm focused on South Africa because this is the land I'm called to. I'm not called to Australia. Not interested. I'm not called anywhere else. This is my land. And I'm going to fight for it. We will not be overcome in this land. And all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Why can't it be that where the righteous live, and I'm talking about the righteous, the people sitting in this room, why can't it be that the lights are on where we live? It can happen supernaturally. But why can't it be that we are so blessed, we are so blessed financially, that not only can I put solar in my house, I can hoi solar to my neighbors, to that one over there, even the grumpy one on the corner. <laughs> We've all got that neighbor in the yeah. street. Why can't it be that? And I think that's what God was trying to say. You have access to the land of Goshen in a time of famine. We are in a time of famine. If you weren't aware, it's happening. It's happening. For the, for the Dutch government to say to a percentage of its farmers, you need to shut down. That's not normal. That's not okay. You've got farmers committing suicide, and then the rest of them went, excuse me, but no, and they're protesting that. They're trying to cause the food shortages. We will not bow to other gods. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, when... Um, You know, it says there, and you will not come to poverty. That's quite a bold statement for South Africa, because poverty is something some people have only ever known. It is a spirit that lingers, even in my own thinking. I got really cross with my daughter last night because she put a, and if you've got teenagers, you know what they do. They'll take off the thing that they've just worn that's not dirty at all and put it straight into the wash. Am I right, Mandy? Yes. Whereas you could have at least got another two, three days out of it. <laughs> Open the wash basket. There sits the jersey. Oh, the pair of pants. Walk into a room. These aren't dirty. These are not dirty. Why are they in the wash? Do you know how much electricity is right now? <laughs> this household does not revolve around you. 
We all do it. We all do it. I'm sorry, Ella. <laughs> the PK. But you see, I do not have to be begging for bread in a time of famine. I'm the bakery man. I produce the bread. And I give the bread. And others are blessed because I'm the bakery. And I will not be dictated to by the systems of this world. Because you see, when Satan tempted Jesus, tempted him with all these things, Dominique, I love that you, love, you know that scripture off by heart. But it says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So for many people, they think Satan was tempting Jesus with the earth. Um, no, he already owns that. That's already his. He was tempting, tempting him with the kingdoms, the systems of the world that he had put in place. Let's just, let me give you an example, the banking system. It's not normal that the way to get credit is to be in debt. That's not normal. You punish people for being debt free. And you reward people for being in a huge amount of debt with more debt. That's not normal. Like when you sit and think about it, like, huh? Come again? Exactly. They want to trap you and keep you. And I'm sorry, but that that we did this morning, what he did on the cross, sets me free from all of that. Sets me free from every system of the world. I talk to money. I tell it where to go and how to do it. It doesn't dictate to me. Exactly. We are in shackles. And I feel like God is saying, South Africa, will you wake up? Bay City Church, will you wake up? He's calling us out that there will be light despite the darkness. I will set you free. It's a time. We have to wake up. This is not a season of complacency. I know. It's tempting. I also want to sit down and give up. I'm done. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I don't have the luxury because I'm a child of God. You know, we all have PTSD. Post-traumatic stress disorder, it's real. We took our kids to the, to the movies this week. Before you think, oh, well, you can afford... No, I'm bound to the other system called Discovery, and it's the only way I can get to go to movies for cheap. I mean, I'm shackled up to Discovery. And now, of course, there's no mask. Fantastic. But now people almost sit right next to you. Like before, I at least have like two, two chairs, you know, some space. Uh, you're sitting there, and it's a bit like itchy, scratchy, hey? It's not great. I thought, what, what is that? I've got a friend who absolutely refuses to go to the movies because of that. And I thought, you know, on a lot of levels, we're living with that. We're trying to be like, this is so normal, and everything's just so not normal. I don't feel normal, but we're saying it's normal, but it's not normal. And you feel like a bit of a doolally space cadet most of the time. Well, I do. Just me. Okay. But you know, Sheldon and I and this leadership did not skip through the pandemic. It wasn't like COVID hit and we looked at each other. We got this, man. Totally got this. Didn't know exactly what to do. Didn't know what to do. I, it, is, it was such, and it still is, an incredibly stretching time. But you know what we did do is we really listened to what God was saying. Because because we were so out of our depth that it was, okay, if you're saying that, okay, that's what we'll do. It was really, really scary. And I felt when, when it, 
the Holy Spirit was talking to me. I was like, I, I, I mean, is it really necessary to tell people like, yeah, you know, it was super hard and yeah, it was a struggle. And it's not to sing our praises as a leadership. It's to make it real for you. Because we're normal. You know, most Sundays I arrive here pretty empty, hey? In the past couple of, of weeks for sure. And you pray for people after church. And I'm praying for you. And man, I am relying very heavily on the Spirit because I've got nothing to give you. We are as emotionally drained and vulnerable as you are. But yet, I'm going to get up here and I'm going to share with you what God says because that's my responsibility as a child of God. You know, to me, this is not just a church. It's not just a gathering of people. It's calling. We're a called people. We're a called people. We're called to change this community. We're called to change the city, this nation. And yeah, I'm even going to go international, the world. Come on. I am determined to play my role in history to the best of my ability for my king. Because it's not about my kingdom. This is not Sheldon and Kathleen's kingdom, by the way. This is the kingdom of the Lord, and I am a servant therein. And I'm here to serve you. So when I pray for you after church, when I talk to you, I'm serving you because that's my call. I don't do it because I get paid to do it. I would do it for free. You see, I believe his promises to be true. And then the very next day, I doubt them. Which takes me back to Friday. <laughs> Friday morning at quarter past eight is my prayer watch. So I, I suppose at this time, A, if you don't know what a prayer watch is, at this church we have prayer watches where people will gather either in person or on a WhatsApp video call at different times during the week, and they pray together. Because we were being obedient to what God said. God said to Sheldon, start the prayer watches. You know why he said that? Because there is a prayer movement that is rising up on this earth and God wants the Bay City Church to be on the forefront of it. We're not tagging onto the tail end. But at the same time and in the same breath, I will tell you, I do not skip along to my prayer watch game. It's my prayer watch. I cannot wait. Nope. I want to come up with every excuse under the sun not to go to my prayer watch. And it's not against the ladies in my prayer watch who are sitting in this room. It's not them. It's me. It's my flesh. My flesh screams at me. You've got something better. To, I have nothing better to do. But it tells me I've got something better to do. Anyway, get on the prayer watch. And I did my little temperature check and I said, ladies, this is what I feel in God is speaking about the land of Goshen. Well, it took off from there. We were on something, and they were hyping me up, and I was hyping them up. By the time the prayer watch ended, I could quite literally take on the gates of Hades on my own with a flick of a wrist. And then I jumped in the car with my very unsaved friend, who seems to be living in the land of Goshen. This woman, I've seen, she was a travel agent. She is a travel agent. She lost all her business in COVID. Man, was I on my knees for that one, praying, declaring, decreeing. And now, Vrachis, does travel not pick up that she's pulling in so much money, she's just put, put solar in her house? And I'm like, um, 
don't know if I should be offended or... I mean, she is rowing. Happy days, off the grid, what's ESCOM? And I'm like, here's what, what's the, every morning, the first thing that I open in the morning, no, it's not the Bible, it's ESCOM's to push. Because now you've got to plan your whole freaking day. When can you cook? When can't you cook? When can you be on Wi-Fi? When can't you be on Wi-Fi? Futsak, done. I am done. Futsak is Hebrew for to get out of the way. So Friday is going well. It's going really well. Jump in the, in the car with my friend who's currently just loving the land of Goshen and, and who doesn't even believe in Jesus, for goodness sake. How offensive. But you know what? She takes me to Jim in Claremont in her car on her petrol because she wants to bless me. So yes, she's blessing me out of her land of Goshen. That's cool. We go to arrive in Zumba class, Incredible class, so nice to see my mates. I am now flying so high. And we're even like, we're going to take the kids to a movie. Yep, we are. I mean, it was just the best. You know, we just, I think I stopped kind of halfway in the day and went, haven't felt like this in a long time. Haven't felt this happy in a long time. Yeah, that didn't last because um, I got a phone call on Friday night. And you see, Sheldon and I, there is a promise that is quite literally right there, but we're here. I can see it, I can smell it, I can taste it, but I cannot seem to get anywhere near it. And on Friday morning, I just was like, it's going to come! It's like it's seconds away! This is going to be incredible! And then the phone call came, and I think I just watched it go out the window, and I was like, oh... And the spiral starts that by Saturday, yesterday, I had just no faith. Very little left, actually. Cried a lot yesterday. She was like, God, what is the point of this? Where are you? Why aren't you answering the prayers? What more must we do? What did I miss? Is there a decree I missed? Like, is there... Then you're going, where have I sinned? What have I done? What open doors? You know, you like... Analysis of paralysis, as Farnas always says. You go into analysis of paralysis. But you see, what I've realized is that I want to encourage you that if you've been sitting on the fringes in this church, you've been coming here, and you sit, you feel welcome, you're getting fed spiritually, but you don't give back in, the season of fringe benefits is over. come to an end. You're either in or out. Because you see, if it's not this community you want to join, you need to find your tribe and quickly. Because you will not survive on your own. You won't survive on your own. Sheldon spoke briefly last week about the 200 of the 600 that stayed behind because they were exhausted. Those 200 people that stayed behind in the fight weren't 200 people sitting on the fringe. There were 200 people who had been in the cold face of the war, of the fight, and they were absolutely depleted. And the 400 said, don't you worry, you rest, we've got this. We're going to bring the victory home. If you are tired and exhausted, that's okay. I know it's been a hectic one. But if you've got the strength, you stand up and we go.
You see, we are not doing very well as the broader community of the church as team. We're not doing team very well. And I know I'm preaching to the choir, and it's incredibly hard sometimes when you have the choir in front of you, but there are some truths we've got to hear. We are still struggling in our kids' work. The reason there is no kids' work during the holidays is because those that are volunteering and Precious Joe are exhausted. Joe needs to sit here. She needs to be fed. She needs to worship. It's not okay. Those are your children. Those are your children. They are your responsibility. If teaching a class is too much, then you speak to Joe of other ways you can help up help out and lighten the load. There are many ways. There are many ways. Then financially. Yep, I'm going to go there. It's a ripple of nerves in the front row. It's fine. Don't worry. I'm not going to get too hectic. But last month, Tracy, correct me if I'm wrong, um, we didn't really have to stagger the salaries as hectically as we do sometimes. Not as, yeah. I didn't think it was full, but it wasn't as on the edge as we have been over the last kind of 18 months. You know, God, God really carried this church financially in 2020. We really saw the blessings of the Lord. Because as I shared from the front before, I honestly thought that was it. Tickets, uh, we were done. But he carried us. And in 2021, he's taught, taught us what it is to stand on his word and still keep going. But you know what? Survival mode is over. We have to be all in. And you know, when, when I saw the, the salaries weren't as staggered as before, I've, I celebrated. Claire and I made a little pact together two years ago that we would celebrate even the smallest victory. And you know, when you begin to celebrate even the smallest victory, man, when that big one comes, I'm going to be Neb Halu. <laughs> Neb Halu. Because he's in everything. So we will keep going, but I want to say this on the money issue. We as a church will never ask you to put more money in, ever, because it's not right. Because what happens is the people that are steadfastly tithing feel the pressure to put more money in, not the ones that aren't tithing. And that's not God. That's not how he works. But what I am going to say to you, are we being obedient to what he's told you to do? If he has told you to put five rand into the offering every Sunday, are you doing it? Because let me tell you, if you are, if you're being obedient to that, he will take that five rand. He will take that five rand. I'm not relying on you. I'm relying on him. But I'm relying on you to be obedient to what he says in this time. It's a heart issue, guys. It's a heart issue. So we'll keep going. Because this is all Sheldon and I know to do. We serve people. We extend the kingdom. But we're as worn down as you are, and we're also empty. I'm white-knuckling and jaw-clenching my way through. I don't have a secret power source, only reserved for pastors, if you thought there was one. Okay? I don't. I plug into the same one you're plugging into. And I'm holding on for dear life to his words that he has spoken, because he says he is faithful to watch over his word until it is fulfilled. We are raw and we are vulnerable as a people and as a leadership team, but we are together. So lastly, I went to see another movie. I know, Discovery. 
Kids go for free if you're wondering how that works. But anyway, we go, I take my son uh, with a friend and we go and watch Minions. I, I've always loved Despicable Me. I think it's a great, he's a great character. I identify a lot to his traits. <laughs> take what you want from that, what you will. <coughs> um, so we're watching and I'm just having a laugh. Love Minions. I love that they speak this weird language and they kind of make sense and it's just all over the show. And towards the so as we get into the end scene, the Holy Spirit says, pay attention. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm, huh? like you can speak through minions? Okay, great. Where are we going with this? Yeah. Oh, sorry, spoiler. Yeah, we've got to go there, sorry. Um, it's okay. Little Gru, who becomes Despicable Me, he's against these villains. And these villains have tied him to a clock much like Big Ben. His one arm is strapped to the one thing and the other arm, and then as time moves, he, he moves, basically to the point they want to pull him in half, obviously. Great for a kid's movie. But anyway, and I'm watching this and I'm going, oh, and I felt God say this to me. Many of my people have been chained to the enemy's timeline and I want to set them free. The roar this morning was God setting us free from the enemy's time. He, the enemy has his own timeline. He does. And it's perpetually on fast forward. And when you're perpetually on fast forward, you make a heck of a lot of mistakes. I don't know if you've seen the mistakes the enemy's making lately. Huge mistakes. But you know, the powerful thing about that scene was... Sure, the, the, the notes really are all over the place. Bear with me. But many have been chained. And I felt God say to me, where is my timeline? And I only repeated what I've heard because there are, there are many people who have been... <laughs> Nadine's with me. <laughs> many people have been to heaven, okay, and they report what they've seen. And there's been quite a few that corroborate the same thing. Behind the throne of God runs his timeline, his golden timeline. And on his timeline are events that roll. And I felt God say to me, my timeline is a lot like the lazy river. Maybe you've ever been on a lazy river ride or you floated down a river on a, on a, a raft or whatever. That's my timeline. You, how do you know you're on the enemy's timeline? How do you know you're chained there? The following things. Anxiety, fear, you feel rushed and confused. Make the decision now. If you don't make this decision now, it's all going to go away. Like, uh, that's sign number one. Panic. Panic. Fear. Where God's timeline, there is peace, there is clarity, you're not rushed. A little bit slow, not gonna lie. Turn up the speed just a touch would be great, but it is steady and reassured. So, going in, into this, I uh, just want to do a quick little time of um, ministry. Because I feel that there's a few things God wants to do. He wants to revive you. He wants to give you hope again. He wants to get you those chains of the enemy's timeline broken off you. And he wants you to enter the land of Goshen. If you're struggling, like I've been struggling with the following... You know, you hear a lot of the prophetic people say, we're in the, we're in the days of Noah, and then, oh, but we're also crossing over the Jordan, and we're also walking around the thing, but we're also over there, and then you're trying to go, okay, where do we fit? And then I'm like, but Goshen was back there. It was even, 
And God's like, no, that's not, what, that's not how it works. You don't parallel our historical event with, with what happened in the Bible. It's not like a play-by-play. But we as humans want that because, okay, then they did that, so we'll do this. And then what did they do then? Oh, okay, then, no. He's saying you have access to this place now. We are breaking free Bay City Church. No more fringe benefits. These rocks, you know me, I love a good prophetic action, but I think Sheldon's gone like a step too far here um, with the rocks. I was like, you want people to write on rocks? Stones, stones, rocks, stones. But it is a prophetic statement. Are you in or are you out? Are you in or are you out? Because I can tell you this right now. You might have survived up until this point doing your own thing. But from here and out, it's going to get a lot harder. Why do you think we've got this here? My friends were here last week and they were like, why have you... I said, yeah, I'm running low on clothes. So I just asked the (laughs) church to bring some, you know. Times are tough, eh? Times are tough. But these are our prodigals. These are the ones we are trusting for. Got my niece here. The niece you know. The niece who used to stand here. Trusting for her. I even went to see her last week. First time we've spoken in two years. God's doing something. It's not the just yet, but it's something. It's something. Look at what God did with Jacob and, and his brothers. There's family restoration. Don't back off from this. They can't afford you to back off from this. Those days are over. So we're going to do our decree. Left it till the end. We're going to stand together. Okay, we're doing it out of Psalm 1 verse 3. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Let's go. Today we decree that everything that has been locked up and shut up by the enemy is loosed. We declare your days of wilderness and desert living are over. We say you are coming out of every demonic prison constructed unjustly and illegally by the enemy. Every mental block mind-binding spirit and every spiritual and physical restriction is broken in the name of Jesus. We call you loosed from every oppression and we say you are spiritually, emotionally and physically free. We declare you are loosed to live and breathe and operate in the fullness of the plan of God on every level designed for you. You are like a planted tree that bears fruit against the current of a flowing river. We say your season of fruitfulness begins now. Amen.